I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The Orange did an excellent job holding their composure and pulling out a W as Wake Forest cut a 14-point lead down to two in a late rally. We'll give you this game's fan feedback, and NC State travels north to the Dome Wednesday, February 14th at 9 o'clock. Let's go. Make some noise, Orange fans. It's time for the Juice Nation podcast with Sean and Joe. Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Juice Nation podcast. All right, what's up, Cuse Nation? Thanks for tuning in to episode 58 of the Cuse Nation podcast with Sean and Joe. If you could please subscribe to whatever platform you listen on, that'll really help us out, and we'll be in your library as soon as an episode is published. Look, we pride ourselves on giving you the most efficient, current, and relative content possible. If you like it, please share this show with your friends and family. All right, Syracuse beats Wake Forest in the Dome in front of 24,018 fans, 78 to 70. Syracuse shot 45% from the floor, 50% from behind the arc, and a bleak 66% at the free throw line. Tyus Battle, of course, led the team in scoring with 34 points. Our three big men played all 40 minutes of the game. They lead the ACC 1-2-3 in minutes played. That would be O'Shea Percet, Frank Howard, and Tyus Battle. O'Shea Percet had another double-double, 8 for 10 from the line, 10 rebounds, and 15 points. Frank Howard, he was a little all over the place, although he did have 9 assists, which is excellent. He went 4 for 10 from the line, and that was just coming down the stretch. He missed a couple of crucial ones that could have put the game away a little bit earlier than we had. So a notable, Braden Bayer played four minutes, grabbed two defensive rebounds, didn't turn the ball over. Excellent. I'm happy with that. Uh, He'll get his minutes as time comes. The totals on the free throws was 26 for 39, by the way. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Here's some fun facts for you. Syracuse finished with 16 to 6 and eight turnovers. Combined with the Louisville game, they had nine assists and eight turnovers there. It was the first time Syracuse had more assists than turnovers in, a, in consecutive games this season. Syracuse has a 6-1 to lead in the series on Wake Forest, including 3-0 and at the Dome. And remember, that one loss was earlier this season in a game where Tyus Battle just wasn't himself. At 17-8, and Syracuse has now once again clinched a winning season for 49 straight years. Tyus Battle's 34 points was the most he scored in regulation. We mentioned that a career-high 37 points came against Florida State in overtime. Also, 
battles last two games from the free throw line, 22 of 24 in past two games in Louisville and Wake Forest. That is 91.6%. And finally, the Orange's RPI after Wake Forest is 39, and the strength of schedule is at a 29, so we're still in good shape there. All right, Joe, give me your game overview. I want your grade for the game, and I also want your player of the game. Go. Yeah, uh, Sean, this was a great first half. Up until that that three-pointer right before the, the you know end of first half, I thought it was one of our better uh first halves played this year especially with us again like we said being usually a second half team getting to the line 39 times is just ridiculous uh we won every stat that we always talk about as far as offensive rebounds and um and turnovers and uh offensive and free throws so uh overall again just being able to play the defense that we play and then Winning those stats and Matthias Battle playing the way that he played, you could tell he, he came out and he definitely wanted to play a little bit better this time than the first time around against Wake Forest. And um, he definitely did. So other than that crazy onslaught of threes in the second half, um, I think like six in a row, and one of them, Wilberkin, got fouled and it was a four-point play. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we were, up, we were up 14 before that, so – we had it comfortable, and it was looking like one of those games in the ACC where we might be able to pull away and actually, you know, win it comfortably and not have to go the cardiac use route. But that was not to be. <laughs> no, never <laughs> was, it is right. So yeah, so it's not in the cards. Pretty, yeah, that's pretty much my overview uh, as far as grade goes. Probably give them an A minus just because of that little spurt that they get in. Like again, I just. Maybe they could have got on some shooters, uh, some of their offense. They could have they could have done a little bit better with offense and maybe made a little bit more free throws. I think um, missing the free throws down the end there, then stretch uh, definitely made it close. And you know, allowing that kind of point outburst and missing those type of free throws at the end of games can come back to haunt you, especially when it comes close to tournament time. So that's something that we're definitely going to want to clean up. But I'd give it an A minus, and obviously. Uh, I mean, the player of the game was Tyus Battle. So, uh. yeah, you know, uh, I'm with you, Joe. Um, normally, I like to look for kind of a diamond in the rough for my player of the game. You know, um, someone who's who's maybe stepped it up that that usually isn't in the limelight. That's kind of um, took the team when maybe Tyus was a little slower than usual. But you can't ignore Tyus's day. Uh, no. Uh, I mean, just a phenomenal, phenomenal day. As Frank Howard said, when he plays like that, you just feed him the ball. You just feed him the ball and and get out of his way. Yeah, he was he was just great. I mean, 11 for 13. I mentioned he's shooting 91.6 percent the past two games from the free throw line. 11, 11 against Louisville. I mean, he's on fire and he's getting on fire at the right time of the year. And he shot 10 of 18. Yeah, 10 of 18 and three for four from behind the arc. So. In you know a, a, a career high season regulation thirty four points, um, so it can't be ignored. Player of the game for sure. Yeah. Um, as as you mentioned, the onslaught of threes, the first three that was hit from what like six foot in front of the half court line, um, yeah. you know, that was the only one they hit the whole first half. They went one for ten, and that was the one. So they did an excellent job of stopping them. Um, you know. Until Wilbekin came in and just, whew, gosh, man, uh, yeah. between him this and— This is his first, first game back 
for a while. He was he was out. He, was, he had been injured. Yeah, and he boy did he make a make his uh, presence known uh, without a doubt. They did hit six in a row. Joe, as you mentioned, coach says he doesn't think that that's ever happened to them in the dome. Despite that, I mentioned them holding their composure. They didn't panic. They didn't throw up wild shots. They they kind of just they they were mature about it. They were mature about it. They handled it. You know, you've got Frank Howard who's normally a pretty consistent free-throw shooter, go four for ten, and, and a couple of those were down the stretch. Pascal, he missed the front end of a one-and-one, one, which was critical. He went one for four from the line. That And he, he's been, like, on point with his free-throws. So yeah, he's been better. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. But um, with all that said, a good game. They almost let it slip, kind of, you know, the cardiac use, like you mentioned, and it's kind of like what we're going to – uh, you know, that's that's us this year for sure. And yeah. uh, it was a home game. I give them a B minus B, or a B plus, excuse me, because it was it was a home game. Uh, we need to hit those free throws at crucial times and it didn't happen. That game could have put, been put away a little bit earlier. And um, yeah, they shot 66 percent. Syracuse normally shoots their season average is 77.8 percent through the first 11 ACC games. So. I mean, that's pretty good, and shooting 66 is just a, kind of a disappointment, but, you know, stuff like that's going to happen. So a B-plus from me, um, almost letting the lead slip and missing some, some crucial uh, free throws at the end of the game. Plus, you're at home, you know, I can't give you too, yeah. too much credit. So a B-plus, and my player of the game, Tyus Battle, can't be ignored. He was on fire. It was excellent. He did yeah. just an excellent performance. Yeah, he was. it was a must-win, and, our, you know, he stepped up, and our better players, they – they made plays at the end of the game, you yep. know, and the fact that we had bad free, uh, free throws percentage, I mean, just the sheer fact that we took 39 free throws, I mean, I know it. <laughs> you know, we might not have had a good percentage, but there was a healthy percent of our points came from the free throw line, so. Absolutely, and um, you mentioned that the last time we shot that many free throws was 42 uh, in an 89-74 win over Fordham. Uh, that was... That was November 12th, 2013. So this is a team that needs to get to the line. They're really going to need to step it up Getting when we start playing. You know, we got uh, NC State. They're going to need to get to the line. We got Miami, North Carolina, and Duke all in a row. Those are our next four games. Yeah. So, and then you got Boston College, Clemson to wrap up the year. So those next four games are going to be crucial to get to the line, and they've got to make – they cannot – they're not going to be able to win games like this in that fashion, missing free throws like that going down the stretch, in my opinion. Yeah, well, they most likely won't be up 14 in the well, second that, half, that, and they true. won't be able to survive an onslaught like that. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Although rare, both of them, really. Us up 14 and that many threes getting hit against us. So it'll be a close game, and we'll just see what happens. <laughs> so We'll see what happens. One, one game at a time. Yeah, that's right. Um one more thing I wanted to hit up about this game, an always contentious post-game press conference with Jim Beheim. Sometimes just... Uh, it was a good one. It was. It, good it, was, it was great, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I cringe, but sometimes I'm just like, how oh, he nails it. And these people just, they probably just like want to crawl in a hole. You oh, know, God. they want to go yeah. find a termite mound and get in that thing as soon as possible because he makes them feel so stupid for asking some basic, simple questions. But <laughs> he was he was asked about Moyer, and um, this is what he had to say about Moyer sitting out. Yeah, he practiced the last two days and came in today and said he was too sore. So I don't know what happened. I don't I don't know what happened. 
He practiced. He says his ankle hurts. He looked fine in practice the last two days. He helped us against Louisville. He can't jump really off one leg, but I had bad ankles, and you go jump off two. But uh, his father came in and told him not to play, and I don't play somebody when they don't want to play. And he went on to say that, you know, he mentioned it a little bit there about playing for Louisville. He did help us against Louisville. He wasn't 100%. Still, he pitched in and helped the team effort, and they got out of Louisville with a win. So here's the thing. If Jim Beheim doesn't want to answer a question, to my point how I started bringing this up in the first place, if he doesn't want to answer a question, he's just going to tell you. And he's going to make you feel like an idiot. Well, not only did he answer the question, he actually elaborated on it. And you know, Joe, when he does that, he's irritated. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Joe, what do we read in to uh, the comments on Matthew Moyer, in your opinion? Well, obviously a frustrated coach. um, When you only have six scholarship players available, and he could could be a seventh, uh, anybody can help. So, uh, like you said... But after the audio that you had played, he had talked about, you know, he's only 60%. Well, that helped us with Louisville. Well, you know, when you're in this position, any type of percentage is going to help you. And um, so he was probably frustrated by that. And he called his father out. So that's probably the truth. And it's probably just a father looking out for his son because Matthew Moyer, he had an injury last year, which forced him to basically redshirt early. Um, not to say that he wouldn't have anyway, but didn't really even give him the chance to compete in uh, in the preseason. So just it's a father looking out for his son because of this history and the fact that he still has a future and everything. So you can't really harp on it like that. But at the end of the day, you need the, as many bodies as you can. So obviously Jim Beheim's a little upset about that. Um, now, reading into it too much, uh, usually stuff like this after it's talked about is just handled internally. I saw today that Matthew Moyer did practice um, today. So, and he practiced, you know, like he said before, a couple of days before the game, too. So, let's just see what happens with that. But obviously, you know, Beheim is not going to be too happy with him. And um, fortunately for him, or maybe unfortunately for Jim Beheim, there's just not enough people. I mean, if he's available to play, there's not really a doghouse to put him in because we only have six available players. So if he's available to play, then Beheim's going to play him. But I'll guarantee he's probably going to ride his, his butt the whole season. And uh, I'd stay tuned as far as uh, the off season to see if that carries over next year because he's already looking at a situation with our recruits coming in where he's probably not going to get too much playing time as it is. So... With that fact, coupled with what's going on here, this is probably going to hurt the relationship with him and the coaching staff. So, again, we'll see. But I guess I'm looking at it as a nothing to see here because if he's healthy, he's going to play just because of the lack of depth. Yeah, we'll have to just wait and see what happens there. Um, Joe, this game, uh, a much needed a, a needed win because – Basically, it keeps our head above water. We couldn't lose it. Uh, not a great right. win. It's not going to bolster us in any way, but it's definitely going to um, keep keep a, a, a potential blemish off of the record. So, yeah. uh, Joe, I'm going to give it to you for the final thoughts on the Wake Forest game. What do you think? I just like you like you said, it was a a must win game. We lose that game, and it'd be very difficult to to make the tournament, I, I think, personally, just because I do think there are some losses coming down. I'm realistic enough of a fan to, to know that we're not going to win the next six games. Um, it's just too much talent 
and we just obviously have our our faults that we know about that just aren't we're not consistent enough to be able to beat every team so um we just got to win the right ones and this one was definitely one of the ones we needed to win and uh 17 and 8 we're still right there that's right. probably still not in with, with uh, Joe Lenardi and his bracketology, but uh, like I, I think that we're we're sitting pretty with with six games to bolster our resume, pretty good. There's not really too many bad games left. I don't think there is really a bad one. So no, probably not. Uh, I mean, Boston College would be the be the worst one, but um, that's no. It. I still think every game is a quadrant two game or higher. Yeah. So so all right, excellent. Wake Forest is history. It's in the mirror. Moving on. All right, time for some fan feedback. This is going to be broke up in two segments, um, kind of like we did last time. But this one's going to be post Wake Forest, and then there was a discussion that uh, we that we wanted to share on the air and Joe's thoughts because it's a common, it's kind of a common theme that we see once in a while. Okay, Bob says Bayheim's coat had a better chance of going in the hoop than Howard's free throws. <laughs> Bob, yeah, touche, Bob, touche. Uh, it's a little, it's a little harsh, but okay, all right. Uh, Bruce follows up with need to make free throws, fellas. Yeah, um, you know, we talked about it. Um, yeah. Tim says every game is huge here on out. A W is a W. I'll take it. Wait, he must listen. He must listen yeah. to Joe. Um, echo. Yeah, exactly. Lisa says go orange. Hey, all right, Lisa. I agree. Thanks. Thanks uh, uh, David, good win. Just wish they would have done better from the free throw line. That was a, that was I saw a ton of those. I saw a ton of those. So yeah. um, you know mm-hmm. it is what it is. It is what it is. It's one game, guys. It's one game. It's they, one game. If they did it every if they did every game, if, if they had an awful overall free throw percentage, then I'd give it to you. But it's yeah. one game. We got the W. Give yeah, them a break. It is, it is. But I, I agree. I harp on them. I don't don't give them a break. What are you talking no, about? No, no. Give him a break. Oh, come on. Come on. They're, they're semi-pros. Uh, winning this game. Uh, Michael <laughs> says, winning this game after after Wake Forest basically played horse during the entire second half was fortunate to win. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. They kind of went tit for tat there. They were hitting threes, though. We were hitting twos. <laughs> so, uh, and, yeah. that's, and that's well, essentially that's not how act, they... That's not act all those are easy shots either. Oh, I know. Some of those were just undefendable, and you can't blame certain people, but uh, Coach coach found someone to yell at. Um, yep, always does. Uh, Darren says, go Syracuse Orangemen. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, whoa. pump the brakes, buddy. <laughs> that's, not, that's not inclusive enough. We, we, couldn't, nope. we couldn't just go ahead and call the, the, the women's team the Orange Women and make it simple like that, <clears throat> but hey. I'm kind of yeah. with Darren on that. I grew hey, up with the Darren, Orange Men. 1995 called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the or- I'm the Orange Men were great. I still have an Orange Men sticker. Still, on, it's still. I didn't peel it off yet. Some some memories. All right. Of course not. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, we had a we had a little discussion on the page. It was on a on a post I had put up. Showing exactly where Syracuse was on the, yeah, on the help me out here on the quadrants within the quadrants. Yeah. So, well, first I wanted let's just I was glad that it was a, yes, you know, it was cordial. In a, yes, it was cordial. Uh, we had some disagreements between a couple followers and listeners to the show, and you know. 
That's how we want it. We love disagreement. And the reason we brought this segment in is is because my mom always says, and she listens to the show, and she says, you and Joe agree too much. I'm like, I know. So we brought some stuff in to, to create no, some conversation. Don't. Shut up. See, that was us disagreeing. <laughs> Brandon. Brandon B. Who I got to give a shout out to Brandon B. He's always, he's always on top of the Facebook stuff, and we appreciate that. So shout out to him. He said, yes, I, he said I don't know a win is a win. Plus, however, if Louisville continues their slide back, I don't know if it's going to be a big, big win or just a big win. Nevertheless, it's a W, and that's what we needed. Brandon is exactly right. I was, I'm, a, I'm not too worried about Louisville sliding back, Joe. This isn't. You know, that's not really something I worry about. I think that they're, right. they'll recover okay. And, you know, it's good to be, you know, it's good to be a little pessimistic about it. You don't want to get too hyped up, right? You know, we always talk about that, getting too hyped up over big wins. Right. Um, well, they whooped up on Pittsburgh yesterday, so. Yes, they sure did. Um, Mark C. comes in. He says, they have no chance to get in the tourney. Stop dreaming. It ain't happening. Tenth in the ACC and only one game away from 13th. Forget it. Boy. Mark. Yeah, he's he swooped in with uh with that with that big old <laughs> yeah, negative bomb. He did, he did. Um and then Brandon replies back. He was basically saying that um, you know, he knows they're not in right now, but you know, to be honest, that we still have a chance. And he's just keeping optimism alive. And that's that's exactly what you and I do, Joe. You know, you just gotta be right. realistic about it. You can't be over overly happy or, or totally negative like Mark. So then Joe jumped in and Joe, you put you do know there's seven games left in the ACC and the ACC tournament to play yet, right? Still a long way to go. So uh, they had a little bit of that back and forth, and then there was a comment. Let me scroll down here a little bit. Yep, this is the comment that we get from a lot of old fans all the time, uh, living in the living in the past like uh, Darren and the Orangemen. All right, Mark says they need bigger wins than Louisville. Move to the ACC has ruined SU hoops. No rivals at all anymore. Team and league are boring compared to the Big East days. No one in the ACC gives an S about Syracuse as a rival. Just no zip to orange hoops anymore. I, I could not disagree more with just about everything he said. It feels to me, Joe, first of all, ACC basketball, I mean, for me, it's the best. It is, yeah. the, it is the elite of the elite. It's the best. I know there's other teams out there like Villanova. You know, you got your Kansas, you got your Kentucky. But we're talking about some of the best teams in college football, uh, basketball. And also, um, it feels like to me, every game is a rivalry game. There's not like one specific game, but they are all tough, hard fought games. And the fans are, are, you know, big time into them, Joe. So this went on for a while, Joe, back and forth. What is your point? What is, I could go through and read your comments, but you could sum it up better than me reading your comments. Yeah, well, my point is that there's a lot of fans out there, especially old school fans that were, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the, the way that the Big East was formed, the whole story, how dominant they got players. Um, and for a while there, it was what, you know, what conference is better, the Big East or the ACC, Big East or the ACC. But um, as technology went and streaming and it just, Football became a big thing, being able to, to stream every game, watch every game. And basically, the money in football for colleges is, is just huge. And unfortunately, the Big East, a lot of the Big East basketball teams don't have football teams or at least Division One football teams. Therefore, they don't really make that type of money. So times changed. And 
there was teams that had to had to get out and some teams like Boston College, Virginia Tech, Miami, they saw the writing on the wall early. But teams had to get out and get to the Power Five conferences with the football or else they would have got gobbled up and stuck in some bad conference just like, you know, like everyone just thinks that we're supposed to we could just go back to the Big East. Like no team in Big East basketball has a Division One football team. And there's a reason for that. So if we would have never left the the Big East and we would have been stuck in the AAC or the glorified uh, Conference USA. <laughs> It'd be horrible. We'd be playing against Middle Tennessee State and stuck in 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 purgatory, be- basically, with UConn, South Florida's, and the Cincinnati's of the world, who's on all their programs, minus Cincinnati uh, basketball, has pretty much fallen. In, in, so, in hindsight, being 2020, I mean – it's easy to sit here and, and, and claim at the Big East, but the Big the Big East is something and was something, and it was. The Big East was great. Yeah. I grew up watching the Big East. I was devastated when they moved to the ACC, but they didn't just do it to for no reason. No, the money. The money. I you mean, you have to follow the money. Yeah, they and I got, mean, they would have got swallowed up in what was going on with UConn and all those other teams right now. I'm telling you, and you know they would. They, we would be right now if we were stuck in one of those conferences. You'd be looking at the ACC, going, "Man, wish we'd have made that move." You know. Yep. So it's easy. You could play both sides of that one, no matter what the situation is. But the ACC move, it took me about ten minutes uh, to <laughs> to embrace it, and I would. I hope we never. I hope the ACC just becomes as legendary as it is in my head, because. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what it, I mean. Don't get me wrong. All those people that grew up with the Big East and the old Big East, you're going to miss the St. John's and the Georgetown's and the UConn, those kind of rivalries and stuff. But we, we played preseason uh, Georgetown every we, year. But we still play exactly. We have Our so many non conference games. Yeah. If we wanted to make up those rivalries and we can make it happen. So um, I'm not too worried about it. Again, we uh, it's all about the money and it's for the, you know, for the well being of the team and, and the sports program and the university as a whole. They made the right move. Yeah, without end, a doubt. End of story. Yeah. All right. That's your fan feedback for the week. Be like Andrew C., Stephanie H., Wames J., Matt Mem, Jeffrey A. Be like all those guys. Go to Facebook.com forward slash Nation podcast. Thumb us up there. That's it. All right, Joe. Valentine's Day is coming up, you know. You know what that Yay. means. You know what that means. NC State comes to the Dome. February 14th, this Wednesday, a late one, 9 o'clock. Joe, what do we expect? Uh, very game NC State team coming in, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. So they, uh, they're they 16-9, and 6-6 six and six in the conference. We're 17-8, and 6-6 six and six in the conference. So right now we're both tied for uh, the eighth spot in the ACC. Um, they... Uh, they got a new coach, Kevin Keats, uh, from UNC Wilmington, and he's got these guys playing a different type of basketball. Um, they shoot the threes. They play fast. And, uh, yeah, they've, they've beaten some really, really good teams this year. I think they've beaten Duke and they've at, beaten North Carolina. So, they beat one of those and, at home. They beat North Carolina at home. At North Carolina, I'm saying. No, I don't think. Oh, yeah, yep, you're right. Yeah. They did. Yes, they did. So, and just looking at their team, uh, you're talking they've had seven players that have started more than 11 games. So he's tinkered with the lineup, not afraid to to change that up. Um, and they go they go deep. I mean, they have seven, eight guys that average almost 15 minutes a game. So 
Um, their big guy, uh, Omer Yurtsevin, is, is really the guy that, that you got to watch out for as far as um, the threat down low. They got a couple guys, uh, Elric Freeman and uh, Leonard Freeman, who are pretty pretty decent down low too. But uh, Torin Dorn, Braxton Beverly, Markel Johnson, guards, they can all hit some threes. And um, again, like I said, they just they come deep, they play fast. And um, they're going to want to wear you out. They're going to try to, and they're going to put up some threes, and they're going to get it down to Yurtsevin down low. I mean, he's only a sophomore. Uh, he's a, it's going to most likely be in the NBA at some point, uh, maybe not after this year, but he's a great player nonetheless. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they react to our 2-3 zone just because, again, it's just whenever you got a new team or a new system that's not used to, um, to seeing this type of zone, then sometimes it's just very, very difficult for them to get used to it. So, again, I think this is one of those games where home game, we got to just jump on them and, uh, and get, a, get an early lead and hope that we can just hold on as far as that goes. So right now, um, Ken Palm, Ken Palm's got us at 46, got NC State at 59, and our RPIs are real, real close. So, um, yeah, it's it's – it's a close matchup. There's a reason why we're only one game away and we're both tied for uh, ACC. So it'll be it'll be interesting. And again, I'm sure another cardiac cardiac game. So yeah, um, it, NC State's just dangerous. It's like yeah. it's just like I've seen I've watched them play so many times this year, and they're just so um, they're they're a skilled team. They're a skilled team, and they're well coached. And and you know we just got it like you like you said, Joe. We don't know how they're going to really react to the zone, and that's always that's always the, the 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 defining thing. Well, besides this year with the shooting, but that how they handle the defense. There's no doubt that we can slow them down, and that it could take them a while to adjust off of that because, like you mentioned, they like to run up and down the court, and um, we'll just have to see. So yeah, well, I'm looking at it. NC State's got a, a 72 RPI, so it is going to be a quadrant two game because we're home. And, um, yeah, it's just – it comes down to – the Yurtsevin can make the plays. He can he can make the plays down low. He can shoot – jump, step out and shoot threes, and he can uh, and he can shoot that uh, little uh, free throw jumper. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use him and how they use him to pass him – pass the ball out to some three-point uh, guys that are, that are ready for the ball. Um, just – a lot of it's going to come down to, you know, like our stats, like we always talk about, the turnovers, free throws, and uh, offensive rebounds. But also a lot of it's just going to come down to how many threes that they hit. Because, again, like the other day, we saw even playing decent defense, some teams can come in and get hot. And, again, we know that a lot of teams, you know, they like to shoot the three because we're in the 2-3 zone, and that's what it gives them. So, Does Matthew Moyer play? Um... I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say yes. Okay, I would I, I would agree. I think I think uh, Coach made his point, and that'll I think he's that'll help a play, player make a decision too. Well, I think he's gonna play the least amount of minutes that Beheim wants him to play. Yeah, true. Or can but, afford him to play. Beheim's gonna use him as he needs him if he needs yes. him. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. That's episode 58 in the books. Joe, any final thoughts? Is that it? We cover no, everything. No, sir. Okay, cool. I, Go. What? You were going to talk? No, I was just, you were going to talk. 
Nah, I was going to say that we had everything. So. Okay, all right. I'm just making yeah. sure. <laughs> all right. All set. Episode 58 in the books. If you please, uh, if you could please share it, get on Facebook, share um, share the show with your with your friends and family and be greatly appreciated. So that's it. We will see you after the NC State game. Uh, hopefully we try to pump these out within 24 hours of the games. So uh, we'll just have to see if we can get on Thursday evening to, to pump another episode out for NC State post game. We will do that. Until then, we'll talk to you later. Peace. You just heard the Nation Podcast with Sean and Joe. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.